Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Ego Chat Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about our final thoughts for the Modern Warfare 3 beta that ended not this past weekend, but two weekends ago. Um, we've been away for about two weeks now, uh, but we're back and we're going to give our final thoughts and kind of wrap up the beta talk before uh, the MW3 launch that happens in just a few weeks. Uh, we also have more roster confirmations with the Seattle Surge announcing their roster uh, last week. Uh, we have some rumors about CDL rosters that might be happening and also challenger uh, challengers roster rumors, uh, which are quite interesting and feature a lot of ex-CDL talent. Um, and we got some other stuff that we'll talk about uh, throughout the show. Um, seems to be more of a packed show in terms of topics and more variety than we're used to with the offseason. Uh, but before we get to any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. You know, NBA season's about to get underway. We're almost to the World Series. And uh, we're finally almost getting to that point where a new COD is out and we might potentially learn about some uh, info on the next CDL season. Who knows? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Um, but we'll, let's talk about MW3 beta, uh, kind of get the oldest news out of the way and um, just kind of wrap up what we uh, talked about on the last episode of the podcast. We gave our thoughts on the first weekend of the MW3 beta, which was PS5 exclusive or PlayStation exclusive. And uh, this second weekend that happened uh, a few weeks ago now was for everybody, PC, Xbox, P uh, PS5, it didn't matter. Um, everybody could play the beta. And uh, of course, you were a little bit more busy on that weekend specifically than most people. Um, but um, I thought, figured we should just talk about it and kind of wrap that up. Um, so the MW3 beta, uh, as we talked about on the last episode, I think we were both leaning toward like pleasantly surprised and like um i think we we're more positive than negative in terms of the overall outlook of mw3 um, and then we got some more maps uh we got a few more modes including search and destroy in that second weekend and uh i think it's fair to say that they obviously didn't give us a lot of maps to work with i think there were maybe four or five multiplayer uh, 6v6 maps. And then there were a few of those ground war maps that I didn't even try. Um, but of those maps that we played in multiplayer uh, 6v6, I think two stand out above the rest in terms of competitive viability. And I think high rise is, uh, I don't want to say certain because who knows what happens, but I think of those maps, High Rise probably has the best chance when it comes to Search and Destroy. Uh, that map seemed to be the most fitting, and uh, of course it is a classic COD map, just like every one of the maps that are in uh, this coming game. But I felt like High Rise was probably is probably going to be in Search in the Search rotation at some point this season, and then Skid Row was the only other map that I thought has a possibility of being in the competitive rotation um probably i didn't really see any search games on that so i'm not i can't really say for sure whether the, uh, there's any chance for that but i think there might be for hardpoint um some of the hardpoints are a little weird the spawns can be a little weird on that map but i think you have the the cluster f uh middle the the first hill that's like in the hallway that one's going to be like a, a four to five uh point 
like there's going to be like 10 combined points in that first hill and everything's going to be based on the rotation. So I think Skid Row probably has a good chance of being a hard point map. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, any maps that stick out to you? I think there was uh, Skid Row, High Rise, Favela, Estate, and Rust. You know, our Rust obviously not going to be a competitive map, but any maps stick out to you as a potential competitive um, rotation map? Yeah, I mean, the only one from the beta that really sticks out is High Rise. Um, like you were saying, I unfortunately did not get to play uh, any High Rise or any Search because I was away from my sister's wedding that second weekend of the beta. So um, I would have liked to be able to, you know, sit here and talk a little bit about any of the differences I noticed from, uh, you know, playing the map over a decade ago and, and all that good stuff. But I, re I didn't even really see any gameplay from it, to be honest, or anything like that. So... Um, I don't have too much to say other than just based on the pedigree of the map and the fact that it was a part of the competitive rotation so many years ago, uh, it has a better chance than not to be a part of the rotation this year. Um, the big thing we've talked about on previous episodes, however, is that Hardpoint did not exist when uh, these other these maps were not only created but being played competitively all the way you know back in 2009, 2010. So... Um, yeah, I mean, like the that's the biggest thing is the it's gonna come down to what maps Hardpoint is viable on. Um, if we look at the original MLG variant uh, map rule set from back in the day, which was Search, Capture the Flag, and Demolition, uh, the Search maps were High Rise, Invasion, Karachi, Scrapyard, Terminal, uh, CTF, and Demolition were High Rise, Invasion, Scrapyard, and Terminal. So that those just didn't have Karachi on them. Karachi was a good search map. I liked that a lot, though, back in the day. Um, so really, I mean, that would leave you to believe if they're going to base it off that, that, um, you know, they're potentially the only map from the beta we see competitively might be High Rise. Uh, but again, there's a lot of question marks because Hardpoint wasn't around back then. Um, I still believe that unfortunately due to the size of you know some of the maps and the uh the speed of play and the movement in the current game some of the bigger maps just to name some off the top of my head like derail uh, i'm not going to say wasteland because I, I don't want wasteland but uh even rundown rundown's a bigger map um that that could work potentially for hard point specifically Again, it would depend on where the hard points are and the rotations and all that stuff. But, um, you know, a map like Scrapyard, kind of like we were saying in previous episodes with the movement and stuff nowadays, it's a smaller map. And I, I made the joke on one of the other episodes, like uh, Shotzi could potentially just go around the entire map in under 15 seconds. And I wouldn't be surprised just because of, uh, you know, the pace of play and the size of that map. So um it will be interesting to see what the final map set looks like. I think it's going to be a lot of testing, um, but I do believe that there are going to be some maps that weren't competitively viable back in the original MW2 that are in the map set this year and vice versa due to a number of factors, including but not limited to the existence of Hardpoint, uh, the pace of the game, all that stuff we've just been talking about. Yeah, I was actually watching a lot of uh, Black Ops 2 uh, like switcheroo tournaments uh, over the weekend and um also i tuned into hitch's stream and um he and the team summertime uh, summertime boys were playing a mw2 uh, 2009 ctf tournament and it's ridiculous how slow everyone looks in those games 
Um, even Black Ops 2, which is considerably faster than MW2, the original, it like there's no comparison between the the speed and even like mantling is like such a huge deal. Um, like if you if you mantle in a current game, like it might come back to bite you, but there's probably a good chance that you can get out of it just by using your movement. Um, if you mantled on accident or you know, you screwed up and you mantled in one of those games back in the day, that's like you're dead. Like there's no way you're getting out of that. It's like you're moving through like mud or something. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, for, as far as the maps go, I do think you're right uh, when you say that there's probably a good chance that maps that were seen as too big and just uh, not viable for competitive a decade ago, they will probably get a second chance and a second look in the modern CODs because like, you know, it's, it's just a completely different game that, um, ATS or, you know, tax sprint is a huge part of uh, the game, uh, slide canceling doors. Um, the, the effects of doors is plentiful and it off awful usually, uh, for COD. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that's just my opinion, I guess, and probably opinion of a lot of people, but it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of fun to see some of these old maps and kind of how they work. Uh, I had never, uh, well, I, I had played high rise, but not like anything. Um, not, not a lot. I, I played it like maybe 10 times, 15 times as a kid and it was fine. Uh, I, I think it definitely has a lot of potential for search. Um, that was probably, that was definitely the best search map for the 6v6 um, S&D tourneys that were happening in the beta. Uh, that was like the only map that really made sense. Favela is just like too big and too too many rooftops, too many little windows um, that it would make it impossible to play search on. Estate is too big still. Like even with the movement and everything, like that map is gigantic and um, it just doesn't work for pretty much any game mode. Uh, Rust is a, is a pub map, and then you have Skid Row, which again I didn't see any search on, so I can't really say. Uh, I don't even know where the bomb sites would be on that. Probably like back alley, um, and maybe like mid building. I don't know, like or probably Skid Row. Yeah, um, at least in the original game, one was where uh, C Dom was, where like the laundry room. Yeah were that little room with the doors now that you burst out mm. and the other one was by b-dom okay if i remember correctly yeah so i think there's there's a possibility it could be in um again just haven't seen it so i can't really speak on it but high rise definitely has a lot of viability for search and then like i said skid row possibly for hard point but we like there could be like six maps in the the actual full launch game that are better suited to competitive than those maps and i guess we'll see yeah. um so you know that's that's cool I, I did see this tweet by jp or it was a tweet by optic texas and they were just talking about jp's uh, stream and he was like going through some potential third game modes for uh competitive um and he said war moment uh, slash momentum i've never seen either one of them to be honest so i can't really speak to it demolition uh, CTF control gridiron, which was the boots on the ground uplink um, that was like in World War II, I think was uh, the big one. Uh, third hard point, a third SD team defender, which uh, is from the original MW3, and safeguard. So those are the options. Um, I can't really 
remember um like i i definitely have seen demolition but i don't really remember exactly um like i i think it's akin to search right but it's not like it's not exactly like it obviously it would be search do you know sabotage from black ops or from it sounds familiar but i definitely haven't played it in like a decade demolition is two bomb sites like search but with respawns you blow up one of the bombs you get a time extension to blow up the other bomb okay defense just has to keep you from uh playing the bomb sabotage was in cod 4 and it was only just it was just one bomb site and both teams tried to pick up the bomb to plant it and blow it up okay um but then demolition came after that and it was kind of like you know it's it's search in terms of offense defense two bomb sites but with respawns yeah okay so yeah i think that definitely could work. I don't know. Um, who knows? Like the third game mode's always kind of a coin flip with COD. Uh, CTF is always an option, but I think we've seen, especially recently, that control will get the nod over CTF um, in these modern CODs. Usually, CTF is like not involved in the main launch or is like you know not very good. Um, and we talked about it on a past podcast, I think it was probably like a month or two ago, about the possibility of a third hardpoint or a third search being a part and just having two game modes and just playing three of one game mode and potentially bringing the vetoes into it where the team, where one team can kind of pick uh, which game mode they want to play more of uh, depending on um, you know whether they have the advantage in the vetoes, which I think would be cool. Um, I don't really... I, I remember playing Gridiron. Um, I don't remember what the exact like complaints were about it. Um, I mean, probably just running into the the thing and not having to actually throw it or uh, the movement that existed in the advanced uh, uh, movement uh, system where you actually had to fly into the uh, the little orb, the little goal. Um, that doesn't exist on boots on the ground. So that could take away a little bit of the skill gap and then it becomes more of a blitz, which let's not return to that that era because that is by far the stupidest thing. Um, probably the, the worst third game mode uh, ever, probably. Uh, even worse than Dom and I don't think anyone likes Dom. So um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, um, what potential third game mode there could be for competitive this year. I think the only realistic option outside of control would be ctf um mm-hmm. again that would be dependent on you know if ctf isn't even in the game first off and second off how it actually plays because again even though the ctf was played on these maps so long ago who knows how it's going to play nowadays um but it sounded like you know it's going to be control again if it's not control there's those talks about potentially a third hard point or a third search I think that's more likely than going back to, you know, like a Dom or adding something like Demolition. Again, who even knows if Demolition's going to be in this game, but just for the sake of the example. Um, so I think that would be the, I think most likely it'll be Control as a third mode. Uh, then second option would probably be a third hardpoint or a third search. Um, third option after that would be like CTF. And then fourth would be like everything else after that, I feel. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we should, uh, or w- one last thing before we move on to, to uh, the other stuff, uh, Time to Kill. Um, this was um, something that Crone tweeted, but I think it was originally um, posted by the exclusive Ace, and it was the MW3 beta Time to Kill, um, the average SMG Time to Kill, and the average AR Time to Kill. And um, of, of course, we're at 150 HP 
for MW3 this year. Um, so the time to kill is, is going to be larger uh, or longer uh, for MW3 than based on or relative to uh, some of the other games. Uh, Black Ops 4 is kind of its own thing. You had, uh, was it 200 HP, right, in Black Ops 4 and Stim? So that was like it was on 150, 150 Stim. but Stim. And Stim was a huge game changer. Um, so that has the highest average SMG and AR uh, time to kill of any of the games since COD 4. Uh, but the MW3 beta had the second uh, longest average SMG time to kill, um, only behind Black Ops 4, just ahead of Black Ops Cold War. And then in the AR uh, time to kill, Black Ops Cold War was just ahead of MW3. Um, so that's that's pretty good. I, I like the extended time to kill. I think it's it's the worst when there's a really short time to kill because that rewards bad players. Um, the fewer bullets or fewer uh, the less damage that you actually have to inflict, and that that's just not something that I like. Um, I I do think it increases skill gap uh, as a whole when you have the time to kill. I don't know if you had any thoughts on the time to kill in MW3. Did you enjoy it or was it like indifference to you? I I don't know if it was because I hadn't been playing much COD leading up to the beta or what, but I I didn't like have a too strong of opinion about it either way um and i felt like in in work chat some people were saying time to kill was like felt great and others were just like no it doesn't feel right so um i don't know maybe i'll feel differently once the game officially launches but right now i don't really have um any complaints or anything to really note on time to kill i mean it could also be a, a fact that i i really only use the acr i used the uh yeah the striker a little bit but i was mostly using the acr and that thing was just awesome and fun to use so i didn't really have a bit of complaints about that but um who knows maybe they'll nerf it before uh the official launch i, I certainly well, maybe they need to nerf it a little bit, but I hope it, they don't nerf it like into the ground. I, I would love another competitive season of actually having the ACR being like one of the main guns. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens in that regard. But yeah, I, I didn't have much in regards to TTK. Yeah, I would like it if we could have stronger ARs than subs just because there are fewer AR players in the league um, usually. And being able to kind of like balance the league a little bit more. Um, you know, if you have like three SMGs and one AR, that means that there are only 12 AR players in the league and there are 36 SMG players. I don't think that balance is very healthy for just like, th that means that there's going to be a ton of very talented AR players in challengers or just giving up on competitive um, which is unfortunate and not something you want. I think there should probably be more of an even split. Uh, I think there might be a chance for a three-gun meta. I think it was the MTZ. Um, it's it's an AR, but it definitely doesn't run like an AR. It's more like a sub. Um, maybe we could get a three-gun meta. It's not very likely. It's only happened like really once in, in like a real uh, tried and true three-gun method. Uh, our meta and that was black ops four so that and that was a five person game so i i don't think it's very likely but it would be cool if we could have it um let's move on uh past the mw3 beta we will talk more about mw3 as the launch gets closer uh, i'm sure uh let's talk about the seattle surge because they announced their roster um 
they we had pretty much known the from the rumors that this was probably going to be the roster or at least uh, we knew the coach and maybe some of the players that were linked to him uh, but the Seattle Surge announced last week that they have signed Hook, Illy, Abuza, Arstes and Rambo as their coach uh, this is a really interesting roster from the surge. Of course, we have three former world champions. Uh, Hook and Illy uh, won their world championships together with Rambo as a part of that Dallas Empire roster in 2020. Uh, RC's won his the following year with Atlanta Phase. And Abuza is a... And the year before. And the year before, yeah. Uh, or, no, there wasn't there like a year gap because he was e United. The year before and after oh, Empire. Yeah. Right, gotcha. Yeah, so that they had like a three-year sweep where they were just all winning the titles. Um, and then there's Abuza, who is a CDL rookie, played in Challengers last year, um, from Belgium, and uh, very excited to see what he can do uh, on this stage. Uh, and then obviously we mentioned Rambo, but he was uh, most recently the head coach and general manager of Optic Texas until uh, last year when he split off from Optic. Uh, your thoughts on Seattle's roster? Um, a lot of world championship level talent um all of them kind of looking for some kind of rebound or to kind of prove themselves uh to a certain degree this coming season so what do you think yeah i mean there's definitely some question marks around this team obviously like you were kind of alluding to there uh with illy what will, will illy be like coming back after you know not really competing towards the end of last year and um you know, I, th I think just the construction of this roster in terms of who's going to be the second SMG is like a big question in the community. Um, I believe initial reports indicated that potentially Abuza uh, would take on that role, but I believe based on what I've heard, he was a really good AR and challenger. So then there's questions about, well, you know, why would you do that if uh, he's so good with an AR? But again, that's really, you know, what we were just talking about the MW3 beta. If the ACR is like the god gun, who knows? It might be a three ACR, one SMG meta, and then that's Seattle's in a position where they got Arcides, Abuza, and Illy all on ARs, and Hook is the one SMG. Like that, that doesn't sound too bad, right? So, um, there's definitely questions around that second SMG role, but uh, depending on the the game's meta, uh, who knows if that'll actually be a question that needs to be answered. Um, I feel like Arcides obviously had a down year last year just with the whole LAG situation, um, and then Hook was kind of like you know up and down at points in the year i, I feel like that's been kind of his mo in recent years where he he has flashes of going back to hook the nuke status and everybody loves when he does that but then there are games where he just doesn't perform and it's noticeable in this in the scoreboard that he's underperforming so um definitely some questions around this team uh talked about it Many times in the off season already, though, that I I definitely think Rambo is one of the smartest minds in COD history. So, um, and he's had success with his previous players on there. This he's had success with players on this team previously. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a situation where they're coming in to the season with some questions and some people doubting what they're capable of, but um, they're they're going to have the opportunity to prove people wrong. And I'm definitely excited to see what Abuza is capable of no matter what gun he has in his hand because I feel like he's kind of like, you know, that hyped up rookie heading into this next season. 
Yeah, I I think this is a very interesting roster. Like you said with the meta, who knows how that works out. I think you could say that about a lot of rosters in the CDO, um, that it's not a perfect fit if you think that there's going to be a certain meta. If you think it's going to be a three subs, one AR, uh, if there's going to be two subs, two ARs. Uh, and obviously, if this is a, a one sub, three AR game, just as a, an example, there'd be a lot of rosters that would not be, that they would not fit on paper together uh, just because some of these players have certain strengths and um, their teammates have, um, you know, not a lot of overlap with them. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be one of the more interesting rosters. I, I think Hook had a pretty good year, all things considered. It was probably one of his more stable years uh, since they won uh, the World Championship in 2020. Of course, he started with LAG, played with RCDs for a little bit that season, and then ended up with Optic um, and very briefly played with Illy before uh, Illy was moved to the bench. Had uh, He's had a lot of crossover with Rambo. Um, with Optic and the Empire, so that that should be um, a, a good thing, I would imagine. Um, then there's Illy, and he tweeted, I think, last week that he turned 22, which is just mind-blowing because he feels like he's been around forever. And it, it's because he has been around forever, but he was like 14, 15 when he was like really starting to pop off. And now he's only 22, and I think... Um, there are people that are kind of like writing him off and underestimating him, and I, I don't think that's fair to him. Um, it was not a, a great situation altogether for Optic uh, last year, especially in the early part with Skump retiring so suddenly and then Dashy getting benched and getting brought back, the friction between Dashy and Rambo. Um, of course, they turned it around for most of the season and were a champ's favorite um, at the end, uh, near the end of the year, but... I think Illy wasn't going to hold them back. And um, maybe his thumb injury played a factor into the previous season where he was out for uh, several months. So I, I think he probably deserves a second chance to kind of show who he is and why he was always supposed to be one of these superstar players. And um, then RCs and Abuza. RCs, I'm glad that he's away from LAG. That seemed like just a really bad situation. Um, and then Abuza who knows like i i like you i wasn't watching a lot of eu challengers last year and he seems uh from what people are saying to be a better ar than an smg and that seems to be the role that he fits better but um you know it, it could change completely like maybe maybe he just fits the smgs in uh mw3 or he's able to just kind of Maybe he doesn't need to be a superstar and he can just be the, the player that Seattle needs him to be. I don't know. Um, but I'm very excited to see how he does in his uh, rookie CDL season. Um, a former Seattle Surge player that we want to talk about real quick um, and give our best wishes to is Mac. Uh, Mac announced later last week that he won't be competing to start the MW3 season. Uh, he said... Uh, quote, the past few months, those close to me have known that my mom has battled with cancer and continues to undergo treatment. I don't know what's next, but family is everything to me, and I want to take this time to spend with them. Uh, to all the fans and everyone who supported me over the last four years, thank you. It means the world to me. I'll have more updates soon. Uh, so, of course, um, Bink and I want to wish the best for his mom, uh, Max family, everybody. Um, we wish them the best. Uh, hope she beats cancer and 
Um, Matt can return when he's ready to the CDL and continue to kill it. Um, I don't know if you had anything else to say, but, you know, obviously best wishes to him. Yeah, but best wishes to him and his whole family. Um, the one thing that comes to mind that, you know, you, you never really know what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, with a lot of these teams until stuff like this comes up. And obviously we don't have a firm timeline here because he just says the past few months. Um, but I believe RCD's also tweeted that some his, his I believe it was his mom was dealing with cancer last year as well. Um, so if I'm remembering cor- that correctly, that's literally half of the Seattle Surge team. Um, and they were dealing with that whole situation of, of hearing Optic Pred chanted during their matches and the drama of is Pred going to leave, all this, yada, yada. So um, kind of puts into perspective just, you know, what's going on outside the game. Seattle was still able to, you know, they, they had some inconsistent performances as a team last year, but they were still able to. Did they come in fourth at champs last year? I, I can't remember, but I, I remember they knocked Optic out again, so they did better than Optic last year at champs. Um, so it, it's kind of, you know, that that's, you know, you can't take that for granted, just, you know, stuff going on behind the scenes, and these, these guys still going out there, able to compete and do their best. So um, definitely wishing the best for, you know, even our cities. And I know we did talk about that a couple of uh, months ago, feels like now at this point, but uh, best, best wishes to Mac and his family as well and everybody dealing with cancer because cancer just sucks. Yeah, I, I think it was accuracy that um, said he had, his mom had cancer. Um, and I think she's cancer free uh, based on this podcast from a few months ago. Uh, so, you know, obviously, congratulations. I don't remember uh, saying anything about that, um, that development. But obviously, uh, best wishes to, you know, Mac and uh, accuracy and really everybody, like you said, um, because cancer is the worst. And um you know, that nobody deserves that at all. Uh, so best wishes to all of them, and I hope everyone has a speedy recovery. Um, a weird sudden turn. Uh, we're going to go back to COD, but I figured that we should mention that before the end of the show. Um, so, yeah, obviously. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, I think the best way to transition out of that is to go into rumors because Mac was actually part of one of these rumors um, that were uh, being posted online. Um, so we'll start with the CDL rumors. And this was according to, I believe it was Jacob Hale, but he cited a few other um, people. Let me just pull up this real quick. Um, and he said that, uh, yeah, so this was a CDL Intel uh, tweet, but he said, according to CDL Scrim Intel, Jacob Hale and Tactical Rab, rumored rosters for two of the final teams, Carolina was Clayster plus maybe Nero and Fame, and then Vegas was attached Standy Mac Purge, which was a, uh, cha- a Challengers player, and head coach Phoenix. So, of course, if Mac isn't going to be starting um, the MW3 season in competitive, then he would obviously not be a part of that Vegas roster. And Clayster's, uh, I don't think he outright said anything, but he um, tweeted like a GIF or something that said false right after these came out. So, who knows what to, to make of that. Um, so, your take on the, the rumors of uh, Carolina and Vegas's rosters. I think we can't really take too much away from that, um, especially if one of the rumor, or rumored rosters had Mac on it. And now Mac saying he's not 
competing to start the year, right? So I uh, can't really take too much away from those other than the fact that um, kind of what we talked about either last episode or the episode before, the the, the main faces being Clayster and Attach here. Um, if these two remaining teams decide to build around one of them or each of them as their, their main AR, I think that's a really good decision. Um, and it seems like that's potentially the route we're going down. So um, that's probably the only main takeaway. I think the early um, indications were potentially uh, Sandy playing with Clayster, though. I think it was like Saint, Clayster, and Sandy were like playing Valorant together. Um, and obviously Saint has the relationship with Sandy the same way that Sandy does with Attach from those Minnesota days. Um, so maybe there's like a little tug of war going on between them in terms of who's going to have Sandy on their team. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I, I think it's going to be a wait and see situation. Um, but I, I think I said it last time, it, especially at this point, this late in the off season, uh, you're able to grab a solid vet like Clay, build three young guns around him. Um, same thing with attach on, on the other hand, doing the same thing. That's almost like the best you can do at this point, I feel like. And, um, it's, it's obviously... You know, we've talked about in the past some teams like Boston coming in late and having to pick from the players who already aren't on teams. You're kind of at a disadvantage in that regard. But I feel like, you know, you have world champions in Clay and Attach who are available to be signed and you can build around them. You you take a chance to do that if if you can secure their services. So uh we'll be interested to see how that plays out. But um yeah, that that's basically uh where my head's at for those teams. Yeah, and I think Clay and Saint go way back as well. Um, I'm yeah. pretty sure they're both old school guys that have been friends forever. Um, but it would be, I mean, it would be a big deal for Clayster to go to Carolina uh, just to kind of get the um, the brand back up, I guess, because the Royal Ravens have been kind of uh, intertwined with London and England uh, for the past few years, even with out actually having a ton of English players on the roster. And now this is their first year in Carolina. Uh, so it would be a good idea, at least in theory, to bring in someone so popular and so well-known like Clayster to kind of boost the brand. Um, but, you know, you'd have to kind of put players around him that work and that, you know, he, he's, he's shown... Um, that he's able to win with younger players and that he's, he's able to mentor uh, younger players and help them. Uh, even, you know, we saw Hydra was his teammate for a little bit. Hydra went on to win uh, a world championship um, and was, you know, arguably the best player in the league MVP uh, from this past season. Not saying he wouldn't have done that without Clayster, but I don't think it can be ignored that uh, guys like Clayster and Crim6 did team with him and they had um he probably had an impact of course attach from denial esports from way back ago um there is a connection there um if um you know so i, I think clay has proven kind of his worth as far as uh, like the team's veteran uh and then nero and fame uh both really uh good young players and as far as vegas goes attached standy mac purge um obviously without mac uh who knows how that roster shakes out um, but it would be interesting. Um, I think attach and standy. Um, there's probably you know some a relationship there. I do think Phoenix probably deserves a shot as a coach somewhere, considering uh, two straight years Seattle placed I think top four. I think they were third 
2022, and then I think maybe fourth this past year at Champs. Um, of course, the the regular season was kind of a mess for them last year, but um, I I'm not sure how much blame he deserves versus credit. You know, my old coach, um, my coaching caveat there. Um, but yeah, I think the rumored rosters are pretty cool. Um, we also have some challengers rumors, uh, which I think are even more interesting than the actual CDL rumors because this just shows how talented and kind of stacked the CDL is that some of these players might actually be playing in challengers to start the year. Um, so let's go chronologically. So um, this is according to uh, our boy Crone at Intel CDL. He said, challengers, Bance, Hixie, Beans, and Nasty are currently an early challengers team in Europe. Uh, of course, Bance, the best European COD player of all time. Hixie was a part of that Toronto Ultra team uh, last year. And then Beans and Nasty have both also been in the CDL in the past few years. Uh, for them all to be in challengers would be a really big surprise considering you know, Bance has been the, like a CWL and CDL stalwart for the last like seven years or so, six, seven years. Um, and Hixie, like it, it kind of sucks. Like, I don't know how he ends up back in challengers after helping Toronto get to a certain point. And they were one of the best teams in the league last year. They won a major with him on the roster. I'm just not sure how he ends up back in challengers. Um, your thoughts on this potential European challengers lineup? Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. Um, literally four players who were in the CDL just this past year, like you said, and they were all actually on separate teams, right? Bance with Minnesota, Hixie, Toronto, Beans on Boston, Nasty on London. So um, definitely an interesting one. Um, I could, you know, again, we, we don't follow challengers too closely. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you who won challengers champs on the European side last year, but, uh, just based on the, the, the pedigree of these names and, and the talent of these guys, if, if you were to tell me at the end of this following year that they won the EU challenger champs and stuck together, like I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, partway through this upcoming year, some of those names are back on CDL teams if they are able to perform well in challengers at the start of the season. So uh, definitely an interesting team that, that jumped out to me when I was scrolling Twitter before the show. I think they were combined for last year's challengers champs, but I'm pretty sure Abuza's team um, that, you know, Lin, uh, Lens was on it as well. I, I don't want to have to try to say it, but, you know, that, te that team was, I'm pretty sure, the best European Challengers oh, you mean team. Like a Wolo, a Bobs or yeah, whatever? I'm pretty sure they <laughs> were the best European Challengers team. Um, and they won, I know they won the Toronto Major or the Toronto Open, um, but I think they finished like sixth or something at Challengers Champs. And then God RX's team won the uh yeah. the challengers champs uh, at champs so yeah um which is a good segue into our next uh challengers <laughs> rumor um that temp is currently on a team with neptune goderex and gwen who was uh the seattle surges substitute last year and that's according to the rotation uh, underscore the rotation on twitter temp being in challengers is big news just because temp is i thought he played pretty well last year of course vegas didn't make champs but i think he was um he's been very good for vegas uh these past few years and then neptune uh ending back up in challengers got rx staying in challengers despite um 
being rumored, not rumored, but like regarded as one of, if not the best uh, challengers AR player would be pretty surprising. And then Gwen spent the entire year in challengers, but was the surges uh, substitute, but kind of the regime change with uh, Rambo coming in, Phoenix going out, and then uh, the new roster coming in for Seattle that could have uh, messed up, you know, maybe a spot for Gwyn if there was one. Uh, but this would be a pretty interesting uh, Challengers roster. Do you have any thoughts on them? Oh, yeah. I really like this squad on paper. Um, I think you could make the argument that potentially Neptune is the worst player on this team and you know he's shown a lot of flashes of potential over the last couple of years um so if, if you're going into a season with him potentially being the worst player on the team like that that, that kind of sets the bar pretty high in my opinion um him and Gwen I you know I've heard good things about Gwen kind of like you were saying a lot of people questioning how he wasn't given the CDL chance and we've talked at length about God RX on this show and just, you know, the whole MW 2019 situation where he was an MVP candidate and then he's just out of the CDL after that when it goes to online due to COVID. And, you know, I definitely talked a lot about Temp and, and how much I, I think of him as a player. So um, I really like this squad on paper. Um, the only thing that I could see is, like, you know, if they aren't, like, frying out of the gate, Temp, you know, gets a little frustrated and causes a quick roster change or something like that. Um, that's the problem with a lot of these challengers teams is their yeah. frequent roster changes just because, you know, there's really no orgs tying them down or, or holding them to contracts or anything. So um, I feel like that's the only thing that would potentially hold this squad back is if, you know, they don't, if they struggle a little bit out of the gate or they don't win right away, maybe some uh, some clashes there in, in terms of, you know, uh, just arguments and whatnot could lead to some roster changes here, but but purely gun skill and you know these players on paper, I really like this team. Yeah, and Gwen, uh, he won Ch Challengers champs with Godarex last yeah. year, so that would be um, you know a good fit, of course. Um, and I agree with you on like the temp thing, like even if it's not temp and it's just like a roster change in general, um, that's why it's like. I mean, we're, we're talking about challengers, rumors, but like there's a very good chance that a bunch of these rosters change before we yeah. even get to the season. Um, and then when the season actually starts, like after the first cup, challengers rosters will change again. Um, I, I don't like, I don't think it's possible to keep up with it. Like there's no way, like I, I know like the rotation um, guys do it really well. I think it might be just one guy, but like he does it really well. He He tries his very, very best to cover challengers um and kind of like kind of bring it into view of like everybody else that really can't keep up with everything but even he seems to be probably overwhelmed with everything because there's a lot of roster changes um there's online events like most weekends i think and uh yeah i just don't think it's it's attainable to even think that these people will probably be together in like three months um but you know hopefully hopefully they do uh, another challengers rumor uh, before we move on. Um, this was uh, from Intel CDO again. Classic and Pristini are returning next season and will be coached by Ronan and will be teaming with Chain and Bida, both formerly ranked number one in Vanguard rank play. Chain played very little challengers last season and this will be Bida's first season competing, which is like... I mean, I'm not like saying anything bad about Chain or Bida, but like it's crazy to me that 
players like Classic and Pristini. Pristini is a former world champion. Classic is the Seattle Surge's curse. Like he, uh, <laughs> no, was he? He was Phase's curse, right? And then they signed him. Um, yeah. He's, but he's like one challengers champs, I think, two years ago now. And obviously a former uh, COD event winner with Luminosity and a few other teams, I'm sure. Um, but the fact that like they're teaming with guys that they're, the lead is that they were ranked number one in Vanguard ranked play. And like, again, no disrespect to them, but that's crazy to me. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about chain and Bida. Um, I, people in the Twitter thread, uh, to this tweet said, I thought chain was caught hacking or something. And <laughs> someone else said he was accused of cheating, cleared, but judged to be teaming with cheaters and Vanguard ranked. And he was deranked 1300 SR. This is weird. Like I, I, I have no, um, I have no qualms about it. Like that's cool. I know Joe Deceives was like he got well known based on ranked play. I'm pretty sure that was maybe like the thing that took him over the top. I don't know, uh, but like that helped. That was something that helped him. Um, and there have been players in the past that have gotten noticed because of uh, game battles or wagers or um, league play in the past or whatever uh, kind of ranking system that COD decides to use on any given year. But like, it just seems weird to me. I don't know if it seems weird to you at all. No, it doesn't seem weird to me at all. Um, just in the sense of, of the type of person Classic is. Um He's been in the scene a long time, and I, I've always highly respected him and, and appreciated his uh, play style. He He's kind of like, you know, like if I had to compare him to a player uh, who was most recently in the CDL, you'd probably compare him to like a seam. Like he, they're both able to have these pop-off games where they're dropping numbers, but they, they do the the dirty work and uh, they you know they're gonna sit in your hill, get go on your long routes, all that stuff to try and get the win. And if, if they go negative at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to them because they just want to win. Um, and like you said, Classics won multiple tournaments in in older games and in consecutive games as well back in the day. So, um, I think very highly of him. And you know, he when he's not competing, he's like one of those guys. I feel like him and Gunless are like two of the the pros or slash ex pros, whatever you want to call them, who play a lot of pubs. Um, and if he is like pulling from that, you know, not to say ranked as pubs, but it's kind of like the closest thing in comparison. Um, if if he's pulling from like that talent pool to try and form a roster, they like I I wouldn't be surprised at all, and I I think that's probably a smart move for him. Um, the only thing, obviously, without us not knowing about those players, is you know role wise, because classics kind of you know he's able to run basically any gun but he's more of like a flex guy and even Pristini to an extent, but they're both kind of like subs. Um, so maybe one of them would have to go to an AR if those other two kids are SMGs or if they're both main ARs and Classic and Pristini are on the, the subs, who really knows? But I, I'm not going to get too carried away with the worrying about roles or anything. I just think it is definitely super interesting to see uh, guys, like you said, with, with Classic and Pristini's uh, pedigree giving uh, these players like an opportunity to... Uh, to kind of break into the scene, even if it is in challengers. Um, obviously, I did not know about the cheating stuff you kind of mentioned in the thread. Um, that's kind of a red flag to me because if I remember correctly, Classic was uh, Jimbo was on Classic's team at the end of last year. Um, and obviously, I don't think that should reflect poorly on Classic at all. 
Um, that's just an unawkward situation to be in, but um, hopefully he's not putting himself in a situation for history to repeat itself in that sense if one of these, you know, unproven ranked play kids turns out to be a hacker again. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention they got disqualified at Challengers Champs because uh, Jimbo was caught cheating at LAN and that disqualified them from the tournament. So, of course, um, I you know, obviously we can't make any determinations on uh, on these players, uh, you know, chain like I specifically because people were saying or alleging that he was hacking or he was playing with a hacker. Again, I don't know. Like I I really I don't really care all that much as long as you're not doing it currently. Um, I do think like there are a bunch of COD players in the past. Uh, and this is like not exclusive to COD because I think Simple and CSGO and a few other players in um, different esports, like they've been banned before. At, you know, when they're younger, they play and they cheat or whatever, and then they get caught, they get banned, and then they come back. Um, I don't really think it's an issue, but. It could be an issue because Challengers is so unregulated. It's mostly online. Um, the thing with Jimbo, like Jimbo being a pretty average CDL player and then becoming the best Challengers player online seemed to be a little bit fishy. Um, and it turned out to be just fish. It was just, uh, it was bad that he got banned. And those players had to suffer the consequences of that. And the teams and players that they beat along the way, eliminated, um, didn't even go to champs uh, finals because um, Jimbo's team beat them in the last chance qualifier and stopped them from going to land. You know, obviously, like that can't be um, overdone or, or can't be uh, redone. So um, hopefully there's nothing uh, cheating related going on there, but so I guess something we'll have to keep our eyes on. Uh, but yeah, that's that's our challengers little corner that we got going on this year. Um, I'm sure we won't be covering it and won't be uh, paying much more attention to it other than if there's maybe a CDL player um, that's doing something very interesting down in challengers. Um, another roster thing, not a challengers thing, not a rumor. Uh, but the Miami Heretics, uh, they have determined their starting roster for this season. Uh, they're going with Eric Boom, Lucky Metals, and Vickle with Journey uh, starting the season in Challengers. And I believe he tweeted out that he was looking for an organization or, um, you know, offers or whatever. So, um, you know, best of luck to him because obviously... Uh, we, we knew something had to give because uh, Miami announced five players and a few coaches uh, when they made their roster announcement. Of course, this is not Black Ops 4. There can only be four, and it looks like Journey is the odd man out. Um, I don't know if you had any uh, comment or thoughts on that. No, that, that was really just kind of like a housekeeping thing because we, yeah. we had talked about it when the roster was announced that, you know, we that, that was the big thing. They announced five players, only four can start. So we knew this announcement had to come at some point. Didn't know who it was going to be, but now we do. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning, though, um, that depending on how Heretics plays, it's, it's very likely that Journey gets a shot at some point this year. Some other player gets subbed out and whatnot. Um so we'll we'll just have to keep our eyes on that situation as the season actually gets underway. Um, I know both of us didn't really have much to say on Heretics as a roster just because we don't know these players outside of like their past and um, whatnot. So we'll, we'll the the only thing I do remember saying about Heretics when it was announced is 
Uh, they were a heavy underdog when they made it into the CWL all those years ago. Nobody really gave them a shot, and then they, they you know, kind of proved some doubters wrong and exceeded expectations. So wouldn't be surprised if they were able to pull off some magic like that again this year, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But now at least we know the four players that are at least starting uh, in the starting roster to begin the 2024 season. Yeah. Uh, two more things before we get out of here. Uh, one, Sensor, um, our boy Doug, he was a bad boy on Twitch uh, the last week. Um, he first uh, called another player homophobic slur, and he uh, issued an apology. And then like a day or two later, uh, he used a racial slur on stream, uh, and he was banned from Twitch. Uh, I don't think it's like a permanent ban or anything. I would highly doubt it, but um, just figured I'd say it. He, you know, Doug, just not not the the brightest ideas uh, coming from Doug Sensor Martin, which uh, not very surprising, but um, just just really stupid stuff. I don't know if you had any thoughts of that, but um, I didn't even think about him getting banned from Twitch just because it didn't happen for a few days and then it just popped up. You know, you know banned. Um, so that's nice. Um, and the final thing was something I tweeted because we're saving the best for last, I guess. Um, so I tweeted a few days ago that it had been more than four months since the 2023 Call of Duty League season ended. Let me pull up that tweet because I closed it out of the dock too quickly. Uh, but essentially, uh, so I tweeted on October 19th, the 2023 Call of Duty League season ended 123 days ago. There has been no public confirmation about when the next season will begin. For comparison, the 2022 season ended on August 7th, and the league announced the season schedule and event details on September 20th, 44 days after Champs. So we are about three times uh, as long in terms of wait as we got last year. And of course, last year, um, the season schedule and stuff was um, announced in September and event or online uh, started in, I think, early December. And the, fi the first event was in mid-December. Um, I don't know if they're trying to go for the same timetable or whatnot this year, but that would leave less than two months until the start of the season, possibly less than two months until the first LAN event. I know we've gotten rumors. Uh, I believe the rumor was that it was going to be a part of DreamHack Atlanta. Um, I don't think rumors suffice as announcements, though, so I'm... I'm just going based off of what the, the CDO has said or hasn't said, and they haven't said anything about this. And I think that's um, unacceptable, of course. Like, this is supposed to be a professional sports, esports league, whatever you want to call it. And um, I thought it was uh, quite fitting that the NBA starts today, uh, October 24th. And uh, the NBA announced today as well that the next season for the NBA will start in next October. Like they announced the dates and everything. They announced when the next season, so the 2024-25 season, when that will begin and when that will end. Because that is what professional sports leagues do. They know, they let the people know, they know themselves and they let the people know exactly when things start, when they end, when these events are going to be broadcast, where they are going to be broadcast a lot of these things that a lot of esports leagues not even just limiting it to the call of duty league but a lot of esports leagues have simply not figured out um, despite being around for 
a decade or more in some of these cases. Um, yeah, I just think it's unacceptable. I don't know if you had anything uh, on this because it was more just something that I tweeted and I figured we should bring up just as a kind of FYI to the people that might not follow me on Twitter and um, shame them for not following me on Twitter. No, I, I think it is kind of eye-opening and it's it's a little surprising that it, just how drastic of a difference it is. Um, and it's still pretty you know, concerning that we, we don't really know when the first event of the year is. And we talked about it on a previous show too. Um, last year brought us into that situation we've been talking about for years leading up to it, about starting the CDL season earlier. We got that little bit of an earlier start last year. And now if we don't get an announcement soon, we, we could be going backwards in that regard. So that that's just not good and wouldn't be acceptable in my opinion. So uh, definitely I'm going to need to hear something from the CDL here soon. Um, the only thing I can really think of is that there's some like legal situation going on with like the stream. I don't want to call it a streaming war, but maybe there's some situation going on between who's going to have the rights to stream the CDL um, at the same time with this recent news that who knows if, you know, the, the simulcasting is going to have any impact on the leagues and there's going to be a situation where it's just going to be streamed on Twitch and YouTube again. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I, I can't really think of any other plausible reason there would be for us to not have the information, especially uh, when you break it down like you did, just how much of a longer wait we have this year in comparison to last year to get the same information. Yeah, I think the CDL is probably debating whether they should cut their viewership in half by going back to YouTube or whether they should just you know, bite the bullet and keep it on Twitch. Um, yeah, it's a big debate going on. Um, but I, I did want to mention that DreamHack Atlanta... Uh, because that that event is like being the the tickets are being sold to it um, and everything that is set for December fifteenth through the seventeenth. That is less than two months. That's like I don't know eight weeks away. Guys, figure it out. Announce it. Like there's no way. Just announce the first event. If anything, like there's no way that this should be like a mystery. I'm sure some of the people know behind the scenes. I'm sure teams. Uh, I I hope teams know because they are probably the most important thing as far as like getting the logistics down. But like the fans probably deserve to know as well, and um, I definitely deserve to know. It, just don't tell the fans. Just tell me and Bink, and we should be able to. We'll we'll just like hint it and we'll leak it out just over the next few Ego Child podcast episodes, um, but yeah, uh, I think we'll probably be at over 130 days uh, since the CDL season ended before things um, get announced. Uh, hopefully, don't make it to 140. Um, I did uh, real quick just wanted to mention like I I think if we're gonna have these big off seasons because this is a really really long off season. This is like NFL uh, off season where you end in February and you really don't start back up until like August. Um, if this is going to continue and there's going to be like a six month gap between events for the CDL, like maybe figure it out with Warzone or figure it out with Halo now that you are a part of Microsoft Activision um, and kind of bring back like the MLG Pro Circuit where. We could have like COD players competing at Halo events um, and maybe line up those seasons better. I thought the um, my idea, and I don't think it's very plausible just because 
I don't think people are going to want six months between seasons. But my idea was that uh, Halo runs at a certain point, and then once Halo ends, COD starts uh, as far as seasons go. You'd have to line it up. I don't think it works out. But I think there's a lot of over overlap in the um, in the fan bases. Um, obviously, COD is bigger than Halo, but I thought it could work. Um, and especially now that Microsoft owns Activision Blizzard, they own MLG, um, the two most well-known MLG properties, um, in my opinion, uh, at least, are Call of Duty and Halo. Um, those are the two that are probably the most synonymous with MLG. I know Dota and, um, to a lesser extent, like CSGO and WoW also have uh, some claim to that, but I think Halo and COD are probably the best, and they are the console ones, so that kind of helps. Um, but, you know, I, I think planning these things out better would just be nice. Um, but ha not having a six-month off-season for a non-physical sport is also nice. I don't think people need six months off to recover from a Call of Duty League season. Just my opinion. Just saying. Um, I think that about does it. I don't know if you had anything else before we get out of here. All right. Sounds good. Uh, make sure to subscribe or like or follow the podcast feed wherever you're listening or watching on. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Uh, we stream this episode live on YouTube as well as Twitch. So YouTube, we're uh, Ego Chow Podcast. Just search it up on YouTube. Almost to a 100 subscribers. Um, that would be great if we could get there before the release of Modern Warfare 3 in a few weeks uh, to get to 100. I think this will also be the 100th video on our YouTube channel. Um, not a great subscriber to video ratio, but we're trying. Um, and then Twitch, we are twitch.tv slash ego chow podcast. The, uh, Twitters, you should follow all of them, even though we don't use the ego chow podcast Twitter a lot, but you should definitely follow Bink at J Bink with two K's. I'm at Prez Byers and the podcast store is at ego chow podcast. Um, our next show is TBD. Uh, I told Bink off air that this is this co next coming week. Um, so Halloween, essentially, that'll probably be the last slow week, I would imagine, uh, in terms of at least COD content, who knows with the CDL, but um, there's nothing that I know of that's coming out for uh, Call of Duty, and then the following week is the week of the Call of Duty release, um, and I figured we could do some kind of preview or hopefully we'll know even more about the COD um, at uh, that COD game at that point And we can kind of talk about it. Um, talk about it then if I can get my words out. Uh, but, you know, we're really close. I had two and a half weeks until MW3 releases. And then hopefully we'll have content. Hopefully the CDL will announce something and we can actually talk about these things. Um, not just in a void and just like, well, whenever that starts or if this starts, this these will be the rosters. We'll actually have some kind of end goal and light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but I'll stop rambling. Um, thank you guys for listening. And I'll turn it over to Bink. Yeah, thank you guys, as always, for all the support. Uh, I think the big thing for this week's episode, for those uh, watching on the live stream, if you guys watched on the YouTube stream, just because we haven't really done that before, if you have any feedback uh, or if we have to tweak anything to accommodate the YouTube viewers, just let us know. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of am looking forward to seeing uh, now if we're going to be streaming on YouTube and Twitch how that does, just because... Uh, kind of like Preston was saying, we're, we're getting close to 100 subscribers on YouTube, so it'd be cool to hit that and see if, uh, you know, we're, we're able to start building a community for potentially live shows on YouTube going forward. So, uh, pretty exciting prospect there, especially with 
uh, uh, ahead of the season where we're going to get back in the swing of more regular episodes when we actually have stuff to talk about. Um, So, yeah, I guess we will see you whenever we see you again when we actually have something to talk about. And until then, remember to send the chow.